0: Welcome to Sunlight Connections, a homeschool podcast. This is season two, episode eight. I'm Stephanie Rose, Sunlight's community manager, and today's podcast is all about how to navigate literature based learning with practical tips and tricks. Joining me today is Judy, Christy, and Sheila. At Sunlight, we believe that great stories lay the foundation for the best kind of education. That's why Sunlight utilizes great literature like historical fiction, biographies, award-winning titles, and hands-on activities to deliver an engaging and complete education that extends beyond textbook memorization. We think literature-based education makes learning information more enjoyable, conveys information in a format that's easy to remember, encourages you to interact with your children, and plays a huge role in raising lifelong learners. In this podcast, we will talk through practical tips of tackling all the reading, how to keep fidgety hands busy while reading, and expectations for comprehension and retention. We deep dive into how exactly learning happens with literature-based learning and all the positives that, that can come out of learning with literature, especially how you can make sure you're giving your child the gift of a lifestyle of learning join me as we turn the page on this topic hello everyone and welcome to literature-based learning today i have with me judy sheila and christy why don't you guys introduce yourself judy why don't we start with you
1: absolutely thanks steph so i'm judy um i work here at sunlight i'm the marketing sales coordinator which means that i have the great privilege of putting together Uh, teams of sunlight moms, just like Sheila and Christy, and sending them out to conventions all summer long, except for this year, because we didn't get to do that. So hopefully next year things will change and you will see all these lovely ladies on the convention floor again. Um, I'm also a retired homeschool mom of three amazing adults, and we are actually starting a second generation of sunlighters in our family this fall as my oldest grandson is going to be in first grade with Sunlight. So we're excited and I'm passionate about um, talking about literature-based learning today. Perfect, welcome, Sheila. Hello, so I have been
2: working with Sunlight for something like 15 years now. I don't know, I've lost count, I'm getting old. And, um, And yes, I work at homeschool conventions talking to new homeschoolers and veteran homeschoolers on how to use Sunlight in their homes with their families. Um, I have three children all have um, graduated from high school. I have two that have graduated from college and one is just starting nursing school next week. It's so exciting. So it it has been an amazing journey and I love helping new homeschoolers to embark on this journey. Great. And
3: welcome, Christy. Thank you. so I love working with this group of ladies. They're amazing, and they're a lot of fun, and they're encouraging even to me. And um, I worked with Sheila first, and um, so it's been several years. My oldest was in fifth grade when I started with the team, and he's a senior this year, so, um, so I can't believe that. But um, I
0: have four boys, and um, we've been homeschooling for 12 years. Very good. Well, again, welcome ladies. I am Stephanie Rose. I am the Community Manager at Sunlight. I want to start with a brief overview of what that
1: means. Literature-based learning is a style of learning that simply means instead of teaching certain subjects like Bible and history and science and geography and, and English literature, Um, from textbooks, we actually use good books to teach them. So award-winning novels and poetry volumes and historical fiction and biographies. And we do that because when you take information and wrap it in a story, you actually up the retention of your student's ability to hang on to that information because it it, gives it context, um, it makes an emotional connection, And you know, reading a book is just a whole lot more fun than reading a textbook.
0: Absolutely. So let's talk about practical tips. What tips do you have to help literature-based learning really sink in in their family?
3: Well, I think one thing is when you're A practical thing about reading all these great books with your kids, which is amazing, um, but it can be, you know, something to consider with your voice uh, when you're reading for a long time with your with your children. And so um, we have a thing at my house where um, my boys, I always tell them, you have to water your reader. So they'll grab me a water before (laughs) they'll grab me water while I'm getting the book settled. And so, youngest always, especially, he'll say, oh, I need to water my reader, you know, (laughs) so he'll, he'll bring my water or, you know, sometimes I have a cup of coffee or tea, hot tea for the voice is good. Um, But yeah, that's a practical tip. Another practical tip is to, um,
2: is to mix it up. So don't just sit down and do all your reading aloud at one time. It's tempting because you can get cozied on the couch or you you get comfortable and you don't wanna move or you get into the story, you don't wanna stop. But it really helps not just the reader, the person who is reading, but it also helps to mix things up between table subjects and couch subjects. You also don't wanna sit at the table for three consecutive hours doing all your seat work and all your written work. So if you can alternate between your seat work and your couch subjects that gives your voice a break it gives them a break from sitting in a hard chair at at a table and doing their seat work so that's another practical tip
1: and to follow on to what sheila said i can hear thousands of moms of seven-year-old boys (laughs) saying sit still (laughs) my son or even my daughter can't sit still and so or my son or daughter can't keep their hands still. And so another practical tip is, you know, it's really okay to let your kids sit on the floor while you're reading out loud and quietly play with Legos or draw pictures with crayons. Um, I know some moms who get rolls of that butcher paper, the brown butcher paper, and hand their kids a box of crayons and say, while I'm reading this story out loud, I want you to draw me a picture of what I'm reading or let them play with Legos because for a lot of kids, utilizing something in their hands, keeping their hands busy, means that their brain is free to listen and engage with what um, you're reading to them. Um, Another really good idea, especially for those kids who can't sit still, they have to be constantly moving, put them in a rocking chair. Um, Just rocking back and forth is enough motion for a lot of kids, to be able to concentrate on what you're reading instead of thinking, I have to sit still, I have to sit still, I can't sit still. And so um, those are some other practical tips.
0: Yeah, and I've also heard, I think it was you, Sheila, who says it all the time um, take it to go. Mm-hmm. Road school, it's okay. Read it yeah. in the car, read it on your way. If you're on the way to an appointment, if you're on the way to an whatever, grab your book and you go. Know. It doesn't have to yeah. be on your couch, it doesn't have to be in your house. Right? yeah outside yeah, so yeah yeah i um,
3: think on the on the reading aloud time especially um i do think that every child is different so uh, while i have my son who likes the thinking putty um um and who if he um, doesn't have thinking putty he's using a pen and doing something like this and yeah. it drives me as the mom trying to read crazy sometimes and i just have to block it out and keep reading because i know that's helping him somehow (laughs) but um, my other boys i have two sons who don't want to do anything but they want to be right beside me so they can see the words and they need to visually see those words in order to take it in and that helps them to retain better and to listen otherwise they're somewhere else and so i think it's good to know kind of get to know took me a little while to figure out but to get to know each of your boys and one of my boys just has to be touching my shoulder or <laughs> cuddling mm-hmm. in some way. And I hope that lasts. It's um, He's the youngest. Mm-hmm. So I hope that stays around for a little longer. But every one of them has something different that helps them.
2: And yeah, so, Christy makes a good point that there's there are different styles of learning. So whether you have a visual learner, I am very visual. I want to see something demonstrated. I cannot listen to um, instruction. I have to see it for myself. Um, So like, I was trying to learn to crochet and I was trying to follow a book and it was trying to explain and then you insert the crochet hook and I was like, I need someone to show me how to do that. So you Mm -hmm. might have a visual learner, you may have an auditory learner, or you may have a kinesthetic learner. Those are the three styles of learning. And if you have three children, you may have all three. So you get to figure out (laughs) what works for for each child. I had one very auditory learner. He is also dyslexic. So for us, sunlight really worked because I did a lot of reading aloud and he was able to really absorb it because he could play. He's also ADD. We didn't know it at the time. He got diagnosed in in college of all places, Um, but it sure made sense once we got the diagnosis because he was my boy that really had to move a lot and he would even read with a book in front of his face and walking around the living room and my husband would come home for lunch and be like this is not school because he's used to (laughs) traditional school so but he is, you know, he did great. He has a degree in finance and is successful and all that. So it really does work. We we actually used a lot of, my boys were very into Legos, but they were also into Lincoln Logs. Mm-hmm. And sometimes um, I would let them set up um, the little plastic soldiers like they would set them all up while I was reading and then when reading time was done they would have a little soldier war where they you know shoot rubber bands and things like that. Um, My son Timothy would love to play with those pattern blocks. Sunlight sells these pattern blocks and he would just make these beautiful designs mosaics while I was reading because that kept him busy and he could listen. Um, He also loved to make domino trains so it doesn't have to be a specific activity it can just be something that gets them like judy said the hands moving that frees up the mind to be able to absorb and listen
3: and you can ask quick (laughs) questions to be sure they're with you as you go along and you'll find out what works best because if they're doing that thing with their brother and the brother knows all the answers but this brother is like i don't know we're making this you know then you can ask those questions orally and know who, who needs what, I
1: think. Yes. And it's not just read-aloud styles that are different. Reader styles are different, too. Um, something Like Sheila mentioned, her son walked while reading. I had one that used to hang upside down on the couch. Mm-hmm. So he'd put his feet up on the couch, and he'd be on the floor reading upside down. I had a daughter who loved to build a blanket tent and lay underneath the dining room table with a blanket covering it so nobody else could see her, and she would read under there. So really, it... it it makes no difference. You can be as creative as you need to be when it comes to letting your kids learn.
0: All of those are very good points. I learned this summer when I was reading, I let them play right outside this office. There is a bunch of Legos. And so I'd let them play with Legos. And the older one would have no idea what I was reading because she was all into it. So she sits Mm -hmm. next to me or sometimes she'll do the reading and the younger one can play with Legos and mom just listens to it all happen which is great too yeah Yeah. (laughs) anyway so let's talk about you guys have mentioned that it's not like textbook learning and um we've talked about comprehension are they getting it so let's talk specifically about comprehension and um retention expectations like what do we expect from this
1: like one thing that I think is very important to remember is that good literature is not like a movie. Um, a movie gives you instant gratification. You know, you, you see something happen, you see a, a difficulty resolved, and by the end of the book or by the end of the movie, everything's all good and everybody loves each other and everything's been resolved in a matter of an hour and a half or two hours. Books aren't like that. Literature is not like that. And so I think one of the important things um, when it comes to retaining and, and comprehending what's going on is to realize that it's not going to happen in the first 10 minutes or even the first hour or the first day. You're going to stretch the, that literature out over a whole school year. And so retention takes time. Comprehension takes time. I also think when you think
2: about traditional schooling, I I I was taught in a traditional um, way and we use textbooks and the textbook you would read a chapter you would answer the questions in the back of the book and you can uh, you could you would often be able to answer the Those questions by going back into the chapter and looking for those bolded highlighted words and that would often be a clue that that would be the answer there. And then there would be a test where you would regurgitate the information that you recorded in the questions. And then you would dump the information because you had another chapter to memorize and answer and regurgitate. And so by the end of the school year you have memorized and dumped, memorized and dumped. So really maybe the only thing you might retain is the very last chapter. Maybe. (laughs) So what I love about literature-based learning is that it is not that at all. First of all, it is a conversation, whether you're reading aloud to the child and you're having that conversation with the child about the book, or even when they're reading for themselves, they're having an internal dialogue with the book itself. I do that when I read. I get mad at the character, no, don't do that. You can foresee the bad thing that's going to happen if they make that choice. And so even as a reader, that you have an, an internal dialogue that is taking place with the book, it's that internal dialogue that helps write the information into your brain that helps with the retention. So whether it's an oral dialogue with you know, mom and child, Or it's that internal dialogue that the student is having with the material that they are reading. But like Judy said, because it's a 10-12 chapter book that you're reading, you are working with that information over time. And so that mental computer is writing that code and it's getting in there.
3: I think that's so important and one of the things that we see um, in the sunlight groups a lot is the question when someone first starts a book they'll say is this worth it should I really I mean I'm dying in the third chapter or the second chapter or something like that you'll hear something like that um, here and there (laughs) and I think that we're going for the long view here and it's hard to see when you first start out but if you hang with that story some of the ones that i said that exact thing on one is um in um, level f uh young foo at the very beginning for whatever reason maybe i was busy maybe it was a whatever the first couple of chapters i was kind of like eh, you know and then by the end i was going to do change out the laundry in the middle and i'm internalizing what I just read and I'm feeling like wow a situation between the mother and the son just hit me one day in the middle of the book somewhere and I start to think oh wow and I'm, I'm gaining from the book character wise for me <laughs> and then that happens with my boys all the time I will get in the middle uh, maybe it's weeks after we read a book that I thought I don't think anybody really got anything out of that book maybe or maybe not amazing and we just think they're so great and we know immediately that we're all getting from it but every now and then there's one that for this moment it just doesn't seem to connect but weeks later we'll be in the middle of something and one of us sometimes my boys will say this is just like in that book and they'll bring up something from weeks ago and it might be something academic or it might be something that is a character thing that is just so powerful to me that we hung with that book. And now, I mean, I didn't see visually immediately, immediate feedback, like with the movie that Judy said, that it was impactful, but it was hugely impactful. And I just couldn't see that at the moment. So I, I say, hang with any book. And 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 know this too, that some books that the first time through with my oldest son, I thought, eh, that's an okay book. And then the next time it was a favorite for one of my other boys, because he, connected with it in some other way. So um, with all of the books, I would say, um, you know, I'm not saying don't cut anything out. If you need to cut something out time-wise, that's, you know, we want you to do what needs, what works for you. But when you hear this, you know, everybody saying, oh, eh, that wasn't a great book. Know that it may be totally different for you. It just depends.
2: have a very similar story. Um, so we have a rule in our homeschool that you are allowed one drop a year like there is one book that because not everyone connects with every book and i recognize that um it may it may be a great book but it may not be a great book for you at the time Mm -hmm. so we do allow one book drop a year of their own choice i i also have the prerogative of dropping books but (laughs) my child can pick one book that they just don't love and they want to drop a reader And so Mm -hmm. this particular year um, we were doing, it was core 100 um, when Ender's Game was in that level. And it was, scheduled toward the end of the year, like right at the very end of the, I think that was the very last reader, or maybe the second to the last, and Timothy had already picked his book drop for the year, and so he was just moaning and groaning about this book, and mom, I don't want to read it, I'm like, "Mm, sorry buddy, you already picked your drop, you have to read it, you know, it wasn't a genre he usually liked, and so I made him push through well. Let me tell you. It's been his favorite book. He has reread it multiple times. It's part of a series. He's gone back and read the series. He loves the author. He's read other things by the author, and that's because I was the hard nose that made him read it. But, But, you know, sometimes that's just what they need, that extra little push and then it becomes a favorite and they learn so much from those books that they really identify with. So yeah, yes. I say give it 50 pages, four or five chapters before you make that call. Cause that first chapter, you know, they may be setting up the premise and it takes a little while to get there.
0: Right. Absolutely. Well, thank you. So we've talked a lot about this, but maybe we can talk specifically about how does learning happen? So we've talked about learning or comprehension and retention. So how does learning happen with literature-based learning?
1: I think it's kind of like um, what Jesus did when he taught in parables. He knew the culture of the people that he was teaching. Um, He knew what appealed to them. And so he taught them in story form, in parable form. He did that because what he was trying to get across, he was presenting in context of what they were living in, what their culture was and what was going on in society. And really information and knowledge um, has a whole lot more meaning and sticks with you longer if it makes sense to what you know about your life and your culture and your family or whatever. And so I think context is probably one of the biggest ways that learning happens with literature based um, studies because it makes sense. It's not just a random chapter out of the middle of a book that doesn't connect to anything else. It's not memorizing just dates and the names of characters and events out of a textbook. It actually has meaning to you in your life situation.
3: Perfect. Yeah,
2: I also think there's, um, there's two, two things. When you learn something new it is like you are nailing a peg in the wall or a nail in the wall and it's like here's a new piece of information and then whenever you encounter something related to that information you have a place to hang that so literature-based learning introduces topics to us that we're allowed to nail all kinds of nails and then we can go and hang information as we encounter it also we learn better i mean people just identify with stories we retain stories better you know tell a joke it's got to be a story um it's not just the punchline so it really drove it home for me when we read the book Pedro's Jur- journal in level D that is a book about Christopher Columbus and literally my knowledge of Christopher Columbus came from my very limited history In 1492 Columbus sailed the ocean blue, you know, blah, blah, blah. That was it. Well, when I read Pedro's journal um, where he kept the ship's log of what it was like to be on Christopher Columbus's ships and the day by day their you know, they're sailing further and further away from what they know into the unknown and the stores are getting used up and they're running out of supplies and they're passing the point of no return and mutiny's about to happen. Like, oh my goodness, I was on the ship. I was living what it was like. I I, I mean, it gives me goosebumps to this day to think about that experience because it really drove home the, you know, the, the bravery and the, the, the direction of the captain and what he did to keep everybody going and all the mind games he had to play to keep mutiny from happening because the crew wanted to take over and sail back. And it was just like, wow, it really brought history to life. And that's what story does. It brings history to life. You are there living the history through that story. You are present. It's not just names facts dates boring boring
3: why do i need to know this Mm -hmm. it's the emotional connection where you where you care what happens to this person it's not just this even in the early grades um, sunlight schedules it so that you may um, be introduced to a person in history first or maybe in your read aloud first it it depends but either way my boys i'll be reading and they're like wait we know him isn't he in that isn't he the one that Johnny Tremaine, you know this happened with and he was there and I'm like, yeah, that's the same person And they're like, oh. So there's this emotional connection because he's a part of this story with Johnny and Rab and and you know he's he's this side character. but because they care emotionally about what's happening with Johnny and Rab, is that the name? Rab? Am I saying the right name? <laughs> Johnny's friend, Um, because there's this emotional connection between them. Um, He is, you know, the boys want to know about this other person in their life, and it might be Samuel Adams or, you know, this other person. And so it's not just this word on a page in black and white in a boring textbook. They have an emotional connection with it. And Julius Caesar and C, my son learned about um you know the saying that we hear on the news all the time we've crossed the rubicon with this one and my husband one day was like what does that even mean and my i think third grader said oh you know, and he was like, Julius well, Caesar came to this, you know, in Italy, there's this river and it's called the Rubicon River. And he goes into all this and my husband's like, whoa. You know? And it's because of the story that he had heard with sunlight. He's like, oh, as he runs out of the room and July was named after him too, you know. <laughs> and so they learn all of this information, not through rote memory or getting the date or focusing on those things. But getting this amazing way that where you love to learn because you care about these people and you want to know what happens with them, even in spite of yourself, even if you've said, I don't really care about history. You care about people. We all do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there's a there's a longstanding joke among veteran homeschool moms, sunlight homeschool moms, that among all the school supplies that you pull together to do a year of sunlight, you must have a box of tissues because... Mm-hmm. If you get through the entire year and read all those read alouds and you never shed a tear mm, I don't know <laughs> it's pretty typical that you as the parent teacher mom or dad um, are going to make an emotional connection yourself with those characters and events
2: yeah yes and my kids would always be like mommy are you crying
3: <laughs> Yes, I'm crying for a moment. I'm clearing my throat. No, I let them know. I let them know, yes, you know, it breaks my heart, you know, whatever. And I think that's healthy. I think that's good. Yeah. yeah.
0: So let's talk. We always say that we at Sunlight, we want to create a lifestyle of learning. Let's talk about what that means and maybe how parents are doing that.
1: So I think we've talked really specifically about um, how students learn with literature-based learning. I think a lifestyle of learning is really the bigger picture. It's it's an overview of what homeschooling looks like. And really what it means is you're not bringing school home. This is not build a classroom in your house and learning only takes place between the hours of nine and noon or eight and noon. A lifestyle of learning means that as you begin learning together with your kids, suddenly you can see things in your everyday life, driving down the road or in the doctor's office or going grocery shopping or whatever you're doing together, um, where you can stop and say, hey, this has to do with what we were just reading about the other day, or this ties to what you were just learning about in math when we're baking cookies together, or so it's the ability to uh, know what your children are learning and just infuse it into um, your family's life.
2: Yeah, I think Christy's story about watching the news and bringing up the Rubicon, and it, that was like a nice little review that you didn't have to plan on. It just happened. Yeah. But yeah. also, I think like for our family, we would often do family activities that revolved around um, what we were learning in school so for example one year my husband is a runner and he qualified for the boston marathon the year we were reading level d and so i said oh honey and Mm -hmm. we live in florida oh honey we're all coming to boston when you run because we're gonna do the freedom trail while you're running you know the boston trail and um and so we took advantage of family events that we were doing anyway and turned it into learning and it was just a much richer way as opposed to okay on friday the whatever date we're going on a field trip to whatever place like we took advantage of things that we were going to be doing anyway and turned it into a learning opportunity and it wasn't it didn't feel forced the kids weren't like mom Mom." you know like they wanted to learn they're like oh we know about this this is where it happened this is the bridge where the shot hurt you know i mean it was just very very exciting for them and very satis- sat-
3: satisfying for me
2: mm-hmm.
3: and even at home i mean just um i hear a lot of people trying to figure out how to get everything done in the day or that kind of thing when you form a routine that just where it fits into your life you know uh, nine times out of ten when i sit down to read with someone i change out the laundry before i do that you know or i just do that one little task that needs to be done so whereas before i might have done my tasks in a different way I just make it fit uh, maybe somebody's needs five minutes to finish up something else before we sit down to read well, I'll take that five minutes and quickly do something that needs to be done and I just make it fit in
0: to what we're doing so
3: it's just integrated in life and as far as tasks go
0: too absolutely well I am so appreciative of you guys joining us to talk specifically about literature-based learning Thank you ladies so much for joining. I hope you all got so much out of this. Bye guys. Bye. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.